share a little bit about baptism since we're having a baptism today. And, you know, baptism for me, it's a beginning point. I think it's a beginning point of starting as I watched the Olympics this week, as maybe some of you did. Uh, you know, when they run a race, they talked about how these individuals, some of them had a great start. They said, you know, they came out of the starting blocks better than the rest of them. And then some of them did good in the middle of the race and some of them did good at the end of the race. But the reality is, unless they finished, they didn't get the prize. You have to finish the race. You have to finish the race. And today when we think about baptism, I see baptism as a beginning point. It's a beginning point, but you have to finish the race. You know, it's not the end of the race. It's the beginning. And so today I want to just briefly, and it's kind of an overview, but I want to just briefly look at baptism and then what follows baptism, what, what God's intention is. You know, when you think about baptism, uh, I suppose it's a definition I heard somewhere. I don't think I made this up, but uh, I liked it, so I, I guess I think it's mine now. But um, it said, you know, it's an outward sign of an inner belief. You know, it's, it's, we do it out of obedience, and it's an outward sign of an inner belief. And what do we believe? What do we believe? And I think there's some very important things. And one of the things we have to come to, I believe, before we even get to the point of baptism, we have to come to grips with who we are. Who are we? And the Bible says we've all sinned in Romans 3.23. It says we've all sinned and fall short of the glory of God being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. You know, I've said many times, we're all, we're all equal when it comes to that. We've all sinned. We've all sinned. We're all the same. Doesn't matter how good you are. Doesn't matter how bad you are. You know, it's not a matter of good and bad. We've all sinned and come short. You've probably heard me tell the story. I tell it at funerals a lot. But I say, you know, it's like standing on the edge of the Grand Canyon. And if I say jump, some of us may jump better than others. Some of us may look better in our jump, but nobody's going to reach the other side. We're all going to be short. Doesn't matter how good you jump. Doesn't matter how good you look jumping. We're all going to be short. We're all the same. We all fall short of what God expects. And we have to remember that. We have to remember that we're dependent upon him. We're dependent upon him and what he has done. We can't, we can't do anything in and of ourselves to be worthy of his salvation. We've all sinned and come short. doesn't matter how bad you are. That's why I always tell people at a funeral, you know, I can't get you in heaven, but thank goodness I can't keep you out. You know, it goes, kind of cuts both ways. You know, it's not based upon how good we are or how bad we are, but it's based upon who we believe and who we accept and who we trust. And so, so we have to get to that point first that we, we realize our condition. And then in Mark 16, 16, it says, He who believes and is baptized shall be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. He who believes and is baptized. So because of our condition now, we believe that God has made a way. And so we believe. We believe on his son Jesus and what he did for us in his shed blood. And then out of obedience, the Bible says we're to be baptized. We're to be baptized. You know, we have to believe in our heart, believe inside, believe in our heart. And then baptism is an act of obedience. 
It's an act of obedience. You know, some people say, well, why do I have to be baptized? And I always say, well, why do you even ask the question? You know, why do you ask the question? Jesus said, he who believes and is baptized shall be saved. So why would you ask the question? You know, I didn't make up the rules, you know. <laughs> you know, somebody else is in charge. You know, he says, he who believes is baptized. So we, out of obedience, out of obedience, we do it. You know, you can't make the heart believe by just doing the outward sign. You can't get it like, well, if I do, if I get baptized, then that means I believe. No. You know, we can go out, we're going to go out, and we're going to use the pond, and, you know, you can get baptized, you put water on you, you can do it every day. But that doesn't mean you believe, you know. It's supposed to go together, but, you know, the outward sign doesn't make the inward happen. The outward sign is because of an inner belief. This is what I believe. You know, Jesus, in uh, Matthew 23, Jesus said something, I think, that was to the Pharisees. You know, the Pharisees, they were the people that thought they were good enough because they kept the law. You know, they did all the religious things, and they, they did what they thought they were supposed to do. And Jesus had a word for them in Matthew 23, verse 1. It says, Jesus spoke to the multitudes and his disciples, saying, The scribes and the Pharisees, they sit in Moses' seat. Therefore, whatever they tell you to, to observe, that observe and do, but do not do according to their works, for they say, but they don't do. They were hypocrites. They said one thing and did another. He says, For they bind heavy burdens, hard to bear, lay them on men's shoulders, but they themselves will not move them with one of their fingers. But with all their works, they do it to be seen by men. They make their robes broad and enlarge the borders of their garments. Think about it. It says there's this group of Pharisees that think if they do the outward signs, people would think they must be okay on the inside. And then later on, he goes on down in, in that chapter in verse 25 and 26. He says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites! For you cleanse the outside of the cup and the dish, but inside you're full of extortion and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisee, first cleanse the inside of the cup and the dish that the outside of them may then be clean also. You know, Jesus says, no, you get it backwards. He says, it's the heart. It's the heart. He says, cleanse the heart. Cleanse the inside. Then the outside will be okay. Then you do the outside by obedience. But you can't get it backwards. You can't say, because I was baptized on August the, what is today, 20th, somewhere in there, 21st, August 21st, that I was baptized on August 21st, so therefore I am saved. You're not saved because that. You're saved because you believed and were baptized. It's a matter of the heart. It's a matter of the heart. And so we have to remember that in John 3, 3, Jesus says you have to be born again. You have to be born again. And he says it's by his spirit. You have to be born of the spirit. You know, it's not by the works of the flesh. There has to be an inner working in our hearts. Our hearts have to change. We have to be born again. And we have to accept what he's done for us. And then because of that, because of what he's done, and because of him now living in me, then I want to obey. Then I want to obey what he has said. I want to, I want to continue the race. I want to continue the race. I want to run. I want to run. I want to finish. You know, I want to, I want to complete the race. And then, you know, 
um, Paul's talked about that in the end of his ministry. He says, you know, you know, I, I want to finish the course. I want to finish. That's our desire. Once we start, once we start, then we, we need to finish. We need to finish the race. And what does that mean for us? Well, I believe that it, it means various things. You know, I believe in Romans 10. Romans 10, verses 9 and 10. It says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus, that the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Okay, so now it says we believe in our heart, but something happens, folks. Now we confess it to others. We say who we are. We're not ashamed of the gospel. We're willing to say, this is who I am. I believe that's part of baptism. I believe baptism is a time when we stand up and say, this is what I believe, and publicly willing to do that. Publicly willing to say, this is what I believe. It says, believe in your heart and confess with your mouth. What you say, Bible says, out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth speaks. I'm not saying everything's perfect coming out of our mouth. But I'm saying when your heart changes, your mouth ought to change. When your heart changes, your mouth ought to change. I'm not saying it's perfection, but it ought to change. There ought to be a change. That we start to confess things differently. We start to speak what God says about us. We start to speak things that bring joy and hope and life to people. You know, it's, it's we start to speak differently because our hearts change. You can't change. You can try to change your mouth without changing your heart, and you can do a little bit, but I want to tell you, you'll never make it. You'll never make it. The Bible says the, the tongue is an unruly thing. Who can tame it? And it's only God working in our hearts that can tame our tongues. So I believe it's important that we confess. We believe, and then we start confessing. This is what I believe. This is who I am. I'm not ashamed. And then in John, the 15th chapter, John, the 15th chapter, the fourth verse, Jesus, Jesus says, um, oh, that's 14. John 15, starting at verse 4. He's talking about he's the vine, we're the branches, and he says, Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me, and I in him, bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. What a, what a thought. What a, what a, he's the vine and we are the branches. You know, if you've ever been around grapes, you know, grapes are viney and they have branches. Sometimes it's difficult to see. I mean, the vines, the, the branches attached to the vine, but, you know, they all kind of become one if you've ever looked at grapes. I mean, there are branches, there are vines, but, you know, they kind of become, but they're so intertwined. He says, abide in me and I in you. That, that's a very close relationship. We abide in him and he abides in us. Now it's not just doing something. It's not, but I believe and I speak and I abide in him and he in me. 
so that now it's different than just in my head I believe something, but I have this relationship with a living God that's real. It's abiding. It's a closeness. I talk to him. He can talk to me. He guides me. He directs me. I listen. I want to know what he wants me to do. I want to know what his word says. We abide in him. It's a close, close relationship. In Galatians, the fifth chapter, Galatians, the fifth chapter, the 16th verse. I know I'm sharing a lot of scriptures, but I want to just make sure we have a good overview of, you know, what does it mean to be a Christian? You know, I think sometimes we do a very great disservice to people when we make it so easy that we say, well, just believe and if you're whatever the church rules are get baptized do this that you know just and then then you're okay then you just go do whatever you want that is not what scripture says the bible says you know we abide in him and he in us and in galatians the fifth chapter the 16th verse it says i say then walk in the spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh walk in the spirit you know, here's what a lot of Christians try to do. They try to fight the flesh. They try to not walk in the flesh. I'm going to quit doing this. I'm going to quit doing that. I'm going to quit doing, I'm going to give, um, you know. And, and sometimes maybe there's parts of that that's okay. But the Bible says if we walk in the spirit, you won't do the lust of the flesh. Think about it. Instead of trying to fight the stuff we shouldn't do, we ought to be doing the things that God wants us to do. And when we do what he wants us to do, we won't do that other stuff. Walk in the Spirit. He goes on to say there that he says, for the flesh fights against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. They are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh, they're evident. You know, just look in the world around us. They're everywhere. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresy, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, which I told you beforehand, just I told you in times past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. And then it goes on to tell us what the fruit of the Spirit is. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. The answer to society's problems today is that God's people would share his word and people would come to know Christ and walk in the Spirit. If you walk in the Spirit, you won't do the stuff we see all around us. You can spend money. You can try to fix everything around us. You can do whatever you want. But until there's a heart change, things won't change. You know, and, and right now, we've got so many issues around us. The flesh is rampant. The deeds of the flesh are running wild around us. And people are kind of like, what do we do? What do we do? What do we do? The answer is God's spirit dwelling within us. Otherwise, you, you, can't, you can't, what are you going to do? How many prisons are we going to build, folks? How many prisons? We can't build enough prisons. We can't build enough prisons to deal with this. 
you know. So what do they do? They release people back out to continue to do what they're doing until there's a heart change. People have to have a heart change so they walk in the Spirit. The God's Spirit starts to work inside them. They have to be born again. There's no shortcuts. There's no shortcuts. And so we see around us, we see the flesh. We see the world around us just running wild and rampant. And people are like, oh, what do we do? What do we do? Well, only God's people sharing God's word is going to make a difference. That's the only thing. That's the only thing. And then as we, as we try to walk in the Spirit, you know what the good news is about walking in the Spirit? That God actually sends us His Holy Spirit to be in us to help us to do it. Because, you know, we couldn't do it on our own. We, we you know, can't do it without His help. I can try, but I can't do it without His help. The last thing that Jesus said to His disciples in Acts, the first chapter, the fourth verse, and being assembled together with him, he commanded disciples not to depart from Jerusalem, to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you've heard from me. He said, John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? They didn't, they didn't get it. And he said to them, it's not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father has put in his own authority. Here's what you need to pay attention to. He didn't say that, but that's what I say. He says, but, okay, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Jesus said, I want you to be my witnesses, and he says, you know what? I'm even going to give you the power to do it. I don't have to, you don't have to do it in your own strength. You don't have to do it. You don't have to figure it out. You don't have to come up with schemes and plans and all this sort of stuff. He says, I'm going to give you the power to do it. I'll give you power to be my witnesses so that we can walk in the Spirit, so that we can do what he's called us to do. And we need that power. And we know as, as it went on and through Acts, the disciples, they, they received that power on Pentecost. You know, they received that power. They didn't have to go out and do it on their own. And when they received that power of the Holy Spirit, they were completely transformed. Completely transformed. Men who ran when Jesus was crucified. Men who were afraid. Men who even when Jesus said this, they go, well, Lord, um, when are you going to do this? You know, they were asking questions like that. When God filled them with his spirit, they were completely transformed. And they walked in his power. The problem in our world today is probably not the world. The problem in our world today is the church. We're the only ones with the answer. How can you blame the world? They don't have any answers. How can you blame the world that doesn't know Christ and doesn't believe in him? How can you blame them? When we have the answers, when we have God's Spirit dwelling within us, when we have the power to do what God's called us to do, how can you blame the world? You know, in Chronicles it says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray. I think there's a chance that God says, my people, my people, my people. 
Do what I've asked you to do. Run the race. I'll give you everything you need to do it. I'll give you the power. I'll supply all that you need to run the race. But run. Run. And let others know. Confess me with your mouth. Let the world know. You know, is that a tall order? In some ways, yes. And in some ways, it's pretty simple. Pretty straightforward. That we just be obedient to what God's asked us to do. Quit fighting. Quit fighting with what he's asked us to do. And just go ahead and do it. And trust him and let him work through us. You know, takes our fears. Yeah, you know, a lot of us are, oh, I'm too afraid. I don't want to do that. I don't, you know, I don't like to confess. I don't want to tell people. I don't want them to know. I don't, oh, maybe somebody will see me and, you know, just let God help you through that. That by his power, he will work through us. So, you know, today is a first step. First step. Baptism is a first step. You know, it's a public confession. Public confession. For some today, maybe it's, you know, I didn't scrutinize everybody. I just, I'm going to tell you right up front. I didn't scrutinize everybody's getting baptized today. You can. If you'd like to help yourself, you can scrutinize. Well, why are they getting baptized? You know what? It's not my issue. It's not my issue. I believe it's a personal thing that everybody's accountable for. People do different things for different reasons. Different ways, different times. I don't know that I'm the judge and jury on all that. I think I have some responsibility. I won't completely like, well, but I think I have some responsibility. But I think sometimes we don't allow the spirit to blow where he wills. I think sometimes the church tries to control all that and make it neat and package it. And I think God would confound us sometimes by saying, you know what, I'm just going to do it a little different. I'm going to blow a little different and see what you think about that. So today, you know, we've got five adults coming forward. Five adults coming forward. They're going to make a public confession of faith. <laughs> and then we're going to go out to the pond. And while I'm giving instructions, just to let you know this. Okay. I'm gonna, they're going to come up. We're going to go through. A, they're going to confess their faith. When I'm done, I'm going to pray. We're going to have uh, folks over here to pray with you before you leave this building. If you'd like prayer, we're going to have time. Don't everybody get excited. We're going to have time. I want the guys that pick up the chairs to pick up the chairs, put them away. That'll give me time to change clothes. Okay. After I get all, after we get changed, the chairs are up. You can make your way down to the pond, which is down the road right where we came in. You can take your car down. You can park along the the drive, or you can pull in. I parked my car down there in the in the by the pond, so you can drive right in close to the pond if you'd like to. Just so you got all that clear. Um, pick up your kids. Don't leave your kids here. <laughs> and uh, and that's what we'll do. So you know. We're not, not in a big hurry, but we, we'll just do some things. And if you want prayer, you know, um, I know Tom and Pam and Rose and Jim, I know they'll be over here to pray with you if you have a need for prayer. Um, at this time, I'm going to ask um, our folks to come forward. Um, Jolene Althaus is going to come forward. And um, so is um, Al Schultz and Brian Schultz and... Mark and Barb McDonald. 
Okay, you can face me up here. Yeah, just, yeah. Well, you can look at them too, but, yeah, face me. <laughs> now nah, they're good to look at. Yeah, I do believe that baptism is a time to publicly confess. It's an opportunity to public, publicly confess what we believe. Um, in Romans 10, 9, I said, you know, with the heart you believe unto righteousness, with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Jesus said, whoever confesses me before men, him the Son of Man will also confess before God. So it's important that we confess. We confess. And I don't think it's uh, too difficult, you know, um, we need to confess. Number one, I believe we confess that we're a sinner. You know, that we need a Savior. So I ask you, do you confess that you are a sinner in need of a Savior? If so, say I do. And you know, when we confess that we need a Savior, then we need to confess who the Savior is. You know, it's not ourselves. It's not what we do. We confess that we need a Savior. And we confess that Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. So do you confess Jesus as your Lord and Savior, and you accept his sacrifice on the cross where he shed his blood for your salvation and your forgiveness? If so, say yes, I accept. Let's all pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for your Holy Spirit. We thank you, Lord, that your Spirit works in hearts. We thank you that your Holy Spirit draws people to you. Lord, I thank you for each of these who have come forward and made a public confession of their faith. Lord, I just pray that you just encourage them. And Lord, I pray that you would help us to be an encouragement to them. Lord, help us to encourage them along the way. Lord, I pray that you would fill them with your Holy Spirit. Lord, fill them with your Spirit so they can do what you've asked them to do. Lord, help them to know that you want to abide with them, that you live within them, you're there with them, and you're there to watch over them and guide them every step of the way. Lord, help them to run the race. Run the race with endurance and run it to the end. Lord, we thank you for your presence with us. Lord, I just pray you'd be with us now as we, we go out to the pond. And Lord, I pray that you just uh, be with us as we baptize these folks. And Lord, just uh, thank you for everyone's encouragement to them. Lord, that we would have this time together. And we just thank you for that in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Okay, we'll go ahead and uh, if anyone has need for prayer, please Rose and Jim and Tom and Pam will be over here to my left, your right. Um, we're going to get ready and we'll meet you at the pond.